Welcome everyone. We got a lot to talk about. We've got spiders. We've got secrets. We have our first introduction of Team Green and so much more. There is a lot of geek to speak this week. This is Just Another Nerd Show. We should just cue the music. Hello there. I am Iron Man. I am your father. I'm Batman. Why so serious? I know, right? If you think it's nerdy, we got you covered. Tell me, do you play it? Oh, no, no, that's not a question I need to answer. Just take my money already! Just do it! I know what I have to do, but I don't know if I have the strength to do it. It's so dark! Do you say that from the DC Universe? We know each other! She's a friend from work! We were doing it everywhere. And I mean everywhere. At the office. After hours. Over the phone. On the weekend. Get your head out of the gutter. We were talking about comic books, shows, and movies. I can do this all day. Yeah, I know. So now we bring you Just Another Nerd Show with Jason Whistle and Kevin Hilston. What is up, Nerd Nation? Welcome to Just Another Nerd Show. I'm Jay. He's Kev. And oh my goodness, Disney Plus making a splash this week with the premiere of She-Hulk. First things first, Kev, how you doing today, man? I'm good. I'm always great in great spirits when we get to kick off a new show like She-Hulk. And I'm not going to lie, Wiz, initial thoughts. They did a premiere on Tuesday, I believe, in uh, in L.A. And then I heard a rumor, not a rumor, but a report that it was being uh, review bombed. And I, I'm just... Uh, yeah. I enjoyed the first episode. I'm just going to put that out there. I very much enjoyed it. I was smiling. I didn't think anything was overly corny. I thought, you know what? This is the Bruce Banner that we've been left with. And, you know, you just got to get used to it. Don't be salty. This is the version we have right now. And until Mm -hmm. they tell more of a story, this is what you have. So he makes some jokes about, you know, oh, yeah, I was off world for two years and all this and all that. And it took me a long time. It was actually a really great dynamic between Tatiana Maslany and Mark Ruffalo. Mm -hmm. I I actually am very excited at the prospect from just seeing one episode of this. I think this is going to be an incredible series. (laughs) See what I did there? I, I I did see what you saw there or did there. Now here's the thing. I did see some screen caps of the review bombing that was going on. Uh, to anyone who's going out there and review bombing the show before it, uh, before it premieres, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Simply put, like we we have talked a little bit in the past about how the Star Wars fandom has gotten really freaking toxic at times, and the Marvel fandom seems to be doing that as well. And it it sucks because it takes the enjoyment out of this. Because I agree with you, uh, Episode One of She Hulk was 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 enjoy super enjoyable. Like it was fun. You have a world quality actress in Tatiana Maslany in the lead role. Um and everyone was saying that. Like it's it was perfect casting. Look, the CG looked really good. Was was it perfect? No. But I think it looked really really good. Um the fact that they they did address a lot of issues um with Hulk. I mean I'm I'm gonna put this out on Front Street here. Like we've got nine episodes to de- uh, of of She Hulk, and I guarantee you, there's gonna be some of those episodes devoted to a whole lot of trauma that I think Hulk is kind of um, pushing down with a lot of humor in some of these. Because there's there's parts where he was talking about. Um, being alone and being forced, like this is the life you have now. Like you have no other life. Like let us not forget. We have not seen Betty Ross in an Ed Norton span of time. Um, like, 
she's still out there. Like there's a lot of, and the fact that Natasha is still dead after the, uh, the, the, the thing of Endgame And that was a, uh, you know, an unfulfilled love kind of thing. Like there is a lot of trauma with Hulk and you wonder just how much he's kind of holding it underneath and how much, how much the big guy wants to kind of get out of this, this merging of the two. Yeah. I'm uh well, we got a, we got a hint of it. I started to see his veins pop a little bit when, uh, when we got kind of that Jen Walters, Bruce Banner altercation. Mm-hmm. Um, is it a sign of things to come? I've already been on record on this show as to say, I think the overarching villain of this series is not Titania. I do think that in episodes seven through nine, we're going to get kind of a wrap up arc where either Bruce comes back from whatever the heck happened in her origin story or and he's a changed man and he's kind of angrier or maybe like that you're right maybe the hulk does finally want to break back out and he doesn't like the arrangement um because I, w- I was saying i think it was last week uh with and i think you agree with me on it but I, i'll say it again for for any new listeners like it, it seems like a double standard when it comes to how bruce treats the hulk right now like he claims that in that five-year time jump that he created a symbiosis with him, that they have this perfect union. But why is it that Bruce is able to make this inhibitor that makes him be human, and he's also able to take advantage of the Hulk's uh, strength? Like, the Hulk mm-hmm. is basically... Lo- like, you know how Bruce explained it in, in Thor Ragnarok, where he's like, I felt like I was locked in the trunk, uh, and, and Hulk had the keys, and he was fully driving the car. This is exactly what Hulk did to you in Ragnarok. You're doing now to him in present day. It, it's such a double standard. I'm not mad about it. I want to I get that clear. I'm not mad about it, but I just want to point out that it is a double standard. Mm-hmm. And, and you do have, like I mentioned, like a lot of trauma. Like first things first, the Hulk didn't want to come back out after, you know, having his green ass handed to him by Thanos. And that led to a lot of the the you know Bruce Banner conflict in Infinity War, and then all of a sudden, like I, I wonder if we're going to get that that five year explanation, you know, kind of all drawn out. Um, also, really, really interesting thing here, and there, there's actually a lot of interesting in this episode about the Hulk. Did you notice the Iron Man helmet? At, yeah, at well, Bruce's place. Well, the and whole it, thing is an Iron Man Easter egg, right? It's him and Tony that built that little bunker. And he's like, Tony spent a lot of time at the bar, which is hinting at Tony Stark's comic book persona where he drank a lot. We mm-hmm. didn't get to see it a whole lot on screen. I think we saw a hint of it in Avengers. Iron Man 2. And Iron Man 2, where, yeah, Iron Man 2 was a little better drawn out. Um, but Avengers, I think he offers Loki a drink and that's it. In the comics, Tony Stark is a raging alcoholic. Like mm-hmm. he's got, he's got issues. So of course he built Bruce's bar and he's like, so it makes sense that Tony was very rah-rah Bruce cause they were science bros. So of course he would help him in that five year time jump to kind of help him with that, that union. Right. But here's the thing. How closely did you look at that helmet? It was a black and silver one, or a black that's, and gold that, one, was it not? That's the Mark 42, and we have not seen the Mark 42 armor in the MCU as of yet. So there's there's some Iron Manning that clearly went on during the during the blip. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, black and gold though. Like 
That's not the Mark 42. I thought the 42 was in Iron Man 3. That was the one that came to him when he called no, for it. No, no, no. Pull that Marvel Puzzle Quest game out of your out of your phone again. Okay. The Mark 42 was Tell black me you're still playing that. Tell me I you're still st- ripping I Marvel Puzzle still Quest. I that game. Oh, my Lord. They actually just put She-Hulk in the game. Like the, well, as this a segment star. is brought to you by Marvel Puzzle Quest. Please sponsor us. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, any mobile game where you can sit there and safely say that you've been playing it for probably close to a decade, um, that's a good game. So kudos to the team for uh, for D3 for, for making Marvel Puzzle Quest. But I mean, that, that helmet, we have not seen that helmet and there's some battle damage on it. So yeah. I wonder, I mean, there are two, two things to this. We know that um Riri Williams suit because they they revealed some of the like the costume details for Wakanda Forever and that first suit that she's wearing in Wakanda Forever is very um almost like an exoskeleton type suit so I wonder if that helmet is going to make its way to Riri Williams eventually let's not I don't want to overanalyze that right now only because I mean we've seen we talked about it last week we talked about the leak set photos it looks like it's pieced together from multiple. So like you and I could, we could pick this apart and do an entire show on, oh God, yes. on every little piece of that. And then it could be completely debunked in the Wakanda forever movie where, Oh yeah, sure. He just gave her an old piece of, you know, T'Challa's armor or something from way back when, like I think, however they're going to do it, it's going to be very well done. This Mark 42 though, it intrigues me. It mm-hmm. intrigues me only because there were like slash marks on the helmet. Now, I don't know if that's decorative. If maybe he destroyed it, it was like a prototype. Because he did he did have prototypes that he would try out. And if it didn't work, he didn't call it Mark 42 version 2 like you and I do in our work. No, yeah. he would just make Mark 43. He would just keep going. <laughs> it, at least that's that's canonically how it is in the, in the movies and stuff. Exactly. So, so, so yeah. something went on during the blip that required a Mark 42. And I'm, I'm really, really curious to find out. Also, let's talk about She-Hulk a little bit. Yes. Um, aside from the fact that she is clearly better at everything than Bruce, which, you know, that, there's another bone of contention there for the Hulk to kind of digest. Um, we didn't get too much of the fourth wall breaking. I think an acceptable amount of fourth wall breaking. Um, you actually had a fourth wall fake out right off the start of the show, which was kind of fun. I was going to uh, say that's very Deadpool-esque. Remember how mm-hmm. Deadpool one, they dropped us right in the middle of the story. And then yep. he goes, oh, hello there. You might be wondering uh, why I'm here. Well, that's I'm going to kill some bad guys. And she goes like, and she goes, yeah, like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a Hulk. Oh, let's let's bring it back to uh, so you're not confused. Like mm-hmm. it, it was very much Deadpool esque. Um, not not just the fourth wall break, but I mean, the where they drop us right into the middle of the story um, or at least near the end of that episode. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, that's that. I think that's what you're getting at. Oh, exactly. Um, but after the whole, you know, Team Green kind of montage there, uh, and mm-hmm. they go back to the courtroom, uh, which gets interrupted by Titania, I was listening to um, the the one lawyer that was basically, you know, doing his, you know, final arguments on the case. And if you listen to what he's talking about, he says that basically the, the, the whole trials about these you know, these people who died and their argument is that it is, quote unquote, uh, an unfortunate side effect of aggressive, um, ag- aggressive uh, corporate expansion. Marvel is known to have these little 
drops of information along the way. You know, you yeah. go back to Falcon and the Winter, not Falcon and the Winter Soldier, um, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. You right. know, when they get the guy on the roof and he starts naming off all these things and one of them was Stephen Strange. Well, it was, didn't have to wait too long to get a Doctor Strange film. Even in Doctor Strange, when he's on the phone and he's getting all these cases read to him, one of them is clearly Rhodey after the accident in um, Civil War. And one of them could easily be inferred to as being uh, Captain Marvel. So, you know, there's... I, I wonder if that's going to end up being a little Easter egg to something like an Oscorp or um, or Reed Richards or the like. And it'll just be one of those things where like we find this out, like like something happens like seven years down the road in the MCU. And then we're like, oh, they told us what had happened in She-Hulk, basically. Um, that's the thing with Marvel. They have built this brand in a way that you have to sit here and overanalyze everything you see and hear in the show yeah and i think they sprinkled quite a bit of it so you you have marvel mcu fans clearly watching this with a fine-tooth comb and enjoying it you have a a fun light performance from tatiana maslany you get your 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 straight connection with mark ruffalo which is always good to see like this show hit all the notes that it said it was going to hit better than i thought it was going to be yeah, there's you got to think that in Kevin Feige's office, he's got a whiteboard and there's a column in that whiteboard of shit to pay off later. <laughs> and at the top of it is Avengers Tower. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know that there's a whole list of things. And you also know how I feel about Oscorp. Um, I think I've stated it openly on this show that I don't think any characters that Sony owns the rights to that Marvel would just be borrowing concepts for. They don't need to sell the Spider-Man character. They don't need to do crossovers where they mention uh, Spider-Man in their properties. Like, I think the subtle hint at it in Doctor Strange, eh, it didn't have to happen, but it's only because Doctor Strange was literally just in his movie. So Mm -hmm. I get it. Like, it's kind of the continuative thread. But I don't think Marvel's going to be doing Sony any favors because the Spider-Man character is one of the easiest, if not the easiest character to market there's no need to do that crossover stuff. So I don't think Marvel would ever do them any favors, um, especially in light of the fact that they can pull the Spider-Man character at any point, and they've already proven that. So I think this is, it's not going to be Oscorp. If anything, maybe the Baxter Foundation, uh, or, but I don't know. Or the return of Hammer Industries. Yeah, how long is his prison sentence? <laughs> I'm, I'm being dead serious. There's some... Um, what was it? Was it Long Live the King? One of those Marvel one shots. And Justin yeah. Hammer's in there with his butt buddy. Or can I say that on, <laughs> on the air? Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Can I, I say that on the air? I just told oh. Review Bombers to fuck off. So you can pretty much say anything you want, I think, at this All point. Right. Well, Justin Hammer's sitting there with his close personal friend in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't look that up. Don't look into that. Um, yeah. And yeah, so I don't know when he got out. Maybe Hammer Industries is still relevant. Hammer, mm-hmm. Hammer Tech, whatever it's called. He had a government contract. I guarantee they've ripped that up, though, since he's a criminal. Right. Um, although it hasn't stopped the government before from uh, dealing with criminals. All right, let's move on, Kev. We're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> now, well, the funny thing is, too, let's be honest. If any company's aggressive corporate expansion is going to lead in people's deaths, Justin Hammer is just the idiot in order to be able to kill people by accident. Yeah, I, I can see them like... <laughs> I'm trying to think here, like, this show will actually, 
I think now that I'm thinking about this out loud now, I'm thinking the Thunderbolts will almost be a sequel to She-Hulk. Oh, this it makes is, total this sense. Is, it's a perfect show to put away bad guys. Like, Titania is now in handcuffs, by the way. They've said that she was supposed to be one of the main antagonists of the series. Episode one, they dealt with her. Like, I'm thinking we maybe... Well, I'm thinking there's more there's more lawyery stuff, and then we get more superhero-y after episode seven, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, so we know Emil Blonsky will be in there soon. We know Wong pays her a visit in her office. Um, we also know at some point in the series, based on the trailer, guys, like I don't know anything, um, but we know at some point in the series she fully takes on the She-Hulk persona that she doesn't really turn back into Jen Walters very much. Like, right now, she's kind of reluctant. She's still Jen Walters. She thinks of herself as lawyer first, She-Hulk second, and eventually it'll be She-Hulk first and lawyer first, I guess, because it's like, that's her whole shtick. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it, this is a great show to set up Thunderbolts. You put put away a guy, it'll have it pay off later in Thunderbolts when Val can walk through, like it's a catalog, like you're picking a sperm donor or something. You're like, I want that one. I want that one. I want that one. And ooh, you have expertise. You're going to lead this team. Great. I wonder, too, if it's going to be one of those things where, you know, they put all these villains away and then all of a sudden there, there's some kind of thing that, that shows up and it's like, oh, OK, well, the this, you know, superhuman law division was really actually a front for something. Prison break, you know, maybe the Hulk is the one that breaks everyone out of prison. Uh, Hulk is on the lamb. You know, I mean, you never know. There's so much that could be done with it. But I mean, first impressions of this nine episode series and I'm all in. I'm all in. Like they made, they said they were going to make a comedy law show. We got a very good, funny, enjoyable Marvel show in the first episode. Plus, post credit scene was hilarious. Post credit scene was just like if you're not laughing at the end of that. I mean that that's very much like the you know cut to credits, very uh, similar to Aunt May walking in on Tom Holland putting or taking off the Spider Man suit. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um I I like I'll applaud Marvel for this only because every time they put out a piece of content, there's so many memes made from it right away. And and I apologize if this was already made into a meme, but I don't think it was in anyone's uh forefront of their mind that uh Steve Rogers was potentially a virgin. I I had never thought about that. Like, I, I I mean, we all knew that he was waiting around for Haley Atwell. And I feel like because Chris <laughs> Evans is in his 40s or he was in his 30s when he took on the role, nobody was thinking, oh, like, you know, whatever. He, he's really old. Well, he's in his he's 100 ish, something around right. that. And and yeah, maybe he hasn't uh, porked anyone like maybe he's uh, maybe he's been celibate. I don't know. I don't but know. It, but there was that one girl on the USO tour. Yeah, Apparently. so so I think we know because she, I think they made a deal of it in in the first Avenger, right? That was the one that Haley Atwell got kind of jealous of. Well, no, because in the first Avenger, like there, there was like some girl that was like working with the uh, with with the secret organization, basically, you know, started to flirt with them kind of thing. Uh, you know, Steve didn't really mm. do anything, you know, but yeah, don't mess with Peggy Carter. That that's just rule number one. She will shoot you. The Star Spangled Man with the plan. 
Yeah, that's the it was the jingle. Yeah, that was. Yeah, that that was the first Marvel musical, as opposed to I can do this all day. Oh God. <laughs> Which, which song, if you had to listen to one on repeat, which one would you listen to? Was it the, the Star Spangled Man with a Plan? You had to watch the music video of it. I, you the, know the what's I can funny. do this all day. The I can do this all day is a fantastic production, by the way. It, yes, it, I, w- it, I would absolutely it, go see that musical. Oh, yeah. That'll be at the first Avenger Con. <laughs> I hope they do an Avenger Con. That'd be so cool. That would be awesome. Like, I mean, you've got D, D23. Just don't do it in Jersey. DC had their oh no 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 don't do it in Jersey or no you know what don't do it in Jersey oh no I can't do it in Jersey Kevin Smith will be there Kevin Smith oh my God the pride of Jersey Mm -hmm. oh my God and that way you can have Brown Jovi playing Brown Jovi (laughs) (laughs) we're still talking about Miss Marvel way past it hey Brown Jovi was the coolest Bon Jovi cover band in there that was that was arguably the highlight of Miss Marvel's show is Brown Jovi. (laughs) <laughs> I now need to see Brown Jovi on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, I, you know what? No, to sum it up. No, not, not, no. You know what I'm, what I'm going with this. <laughs> to sum it up. No, though, I don't want to go see Brown Jovi. <laughs> to sum it up, I'm actually very happy with how they've tied a bow on previous stories. Like, mm-hmm. like uh, Bruce Banner making an inhibitor, uh, his arm healing from Jen's blood. Little convenient, but... Okay, I get it. We do need to move on with the Hulk story. You can't have him a one-armed Willie. That that's not right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you can't you can't have him be like kind of one-armed out there. He's got to be the Hulk. I I still think I still think he will be. I I think maybe. I don't know. I have a theory. I'm thinking episode like seven eight. She has to deal with the abomination who got loose. She takes him down. And then Banner loses control. And then that's your final fight is her having to kind of get back, get through to her cousin. And then maybe he exiles himself or something. I, I don't know. I really, I really don't know. It, and, and that's even not, not even to say that maybe they'll pay off the origin story for Jen Walters is that that Sakarian ship flew in, right? That could yeah, be Scar. I'll- it could be Grandmaster. It could be. Literally any number anyone. of things. Yeah, any. He even said, didn't they make a comment before where uh, she was like, something about family members. And he goes, well, there's also Chet. Like they have another cousin that that could Possibly. have the Hulk gene. Are they going to call him Amadeus Chet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what they're going to oh. do with that name. I don't know. <clears throat> It'd be the no, totally no, no. awesomest Hulk. Well, there was already Helen Cho, right? So, yeah, yeah. So you know, that, that's Amadeus, an easy payoff. Yeah, Amadeus has to exist in the universe somewhere. That's fair. That's fair. There's so many like places they can go with this show, and the CG looks so much better too. Like there, mm-hmm. there was a couple moments, but you know what? In in a show that's almost entirely reliant on a character being fully CG, like as soon as Banner lost the inhibitor. I'm like, well, this this episode just got real expensive, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> now they're animating him, and and Jen Walters is doing her transformations, and it's it's tough as well to animate hair. Like it's so difficult. Yeah. So to have her have that long, luscious hair. <laughs> well, the thing is, it looks like they did the same thing in this in this show that they did in the book of Boba Fett with uh, with 
quote unquote de-aging Luke or deep faking Luke. In in that, what they did was they had uh, someone who looked very much like Luke, and then they had Mark Hamill on set, and so they basically filmed each scene twice, and then they basically used. So Mark Hamill would do the scene, and then the guy who looks a lot like Luke um, would do the scene, the scene after seeing the way Mark Hamill did it, and then they basically used the two shots and then map the two together as a deep fake. Right. Um, there is someone who is the body double of She-Hulk. Um, you can actually see her in uh, Hollywood Undead's latest video, uh, City of the Dead. Um and she was at a lot of the premieres and whatnot. And so it, it looks like they would do the same thing where they'd shoot the scene with um, with Tatiana Maslany to get the facial expressions and whatnot. And then they'd shoot the scene with, and I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but probably shot the scene with the body double and then did the digital connection. Because, I mean, this, this girl that played, that, that was at the premieres, tall as hell, like tall as hell hell but you could see facial similarities between her and Tatiana Maslany so it makes sense if that's what they did was this whole face mapping de-aging kind of thing so they basically took what they did with at least it looks like it took what they did with the book of Boba Fett and translated that to She-Hulk I think it looks great personally mm-hmm. I think the transformations look great um, I should have let off on the show with this Tatiana Maslany shines as Jennifer Walters. I oh, yeah. absolutely love her in this role. I know I knew going in that she was a very talented Emmy award winning actress. But holy crap, she is absolutely incredible in this role. I mm. it's not 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 at any point did I think I'm only thinking it now that we're actually like airing out all of our dirty laundry on the airwaves, but I I didn't think at any point that I was like, oh, you know, like if they build up to an all chicks team, I'm like, well, no, actually, I, I would applaud seeing her on screen and I would applaud seeing like sometimes I feel like storylines are forced, but I, I would I'm really looking forward to seeing her interact with other heroes. Mm-hmm. And she has come out and said that she would love to head up an A-Force series. Oh, that'd be so cool. So yeah. cool. And you have the ability to do an A-Force series I don't, or an A-Force movie. Why not? But yeah. you, know, you have... I mean, let's go through, right? I mean, yes, you had Mighty Thor in Jane Foster or Jane Thorster. Um, still, I'm still going there. Still going there. And technically um, speaking, technically speaking, you could still pull Jane Foster out of Valhalla. Mm-hmm. Or no, how does that work? She can't exist on the regular plane, but I think Thor can go visit her via the Bifrost. I can't. Possibly. I don't know the exact logic of it. Sorry, go on. But. Let, let's go through the list, right? You have Valkyrie. Right. You have Miss Marvel. You have Captain Marvel. You could take Pepper Potts out of retirement. You could put her in the, the rest. You don't have armor. to, though. You could do Morgan Stark or Stature. Or not Stature. Would she Stinger? Uh, probably Stinger, I would yeah, think. You could Possibly, do that. potentially. Wasp. Right. You've got the Scarlet Scarab. Oh, that's a good pull. I like that. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, you have Yelena Belova, although she'll probably be part of the Thunderbolts. Yeah, she might be against them, against the A-Team. Quite possibly, a- right? A-Team, the A-Team. A- a- with the A-Team. No. <laughs> oh, boy, different uh, franchise. Different I franchise. Love I love it when a female superhero team comes together. Um, yeah. Like, you, you have enough female superheroes in the Marvel Universe. You could absolutely do an A-Force, and I, th- I think it would do very, very well. Um you know, all thanks to Orphan Green here and Tatiana Maslany. 
You could also yeah, have Domino. There. You could have Domino on that team. You could. Absolutely. I, I would not? love that. I would love to have Domino. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I beats keep, with that team were great. I keep remembering her line where she goes, I'm lucky. And Deadpool goes, it's not a superpower. It's certainly not very cinematic as she's like walking away from an explosion. I'm like, yep, that's fantastic. That's so cool. But think about it, right? Really, as, as far as like the main characters you see in A-Force comics, most of them have already been introduced. I think the 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 one that's really missing right now is Squirrel Girl. Yeah. And I don't know if we'll ever get Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. It Depends is, on the property. Like, I, I could see her in a show like Miss Marvel or She-Hulk, but who knows, right? She would, I, I just feel like I, uh, the way that Marvel's been going with their properties, and it's not a knock on them, I just mean, like, they've been very jokey-jokey. I'm just worried that if they introduce someone like Squirrel Girl, she's going to be the butt of the joke. That's what I was worried about with MODOK for so long. I'm like, they're not going to do MODOK right, they're going to make him the butt of the joke, because he looks weird, um, you know, it, it, I just don't want them to introduce a character and have it be like uh, when we were first introduced to Ant-Man, where he goes, mm-hmm. is it too late to change the name? Or like, well, it's not that bad of a name. There's worse names out there. Um, oh, let's not forget you also have Wasp as well. Yeah, there's like... There's, for A-Force. Yeah, yeah, Wasp. Oh, sorry, we, all, we also have not gotten a live-action Spider-Gwen yet, but I don't know if we're going to get that because of Sony. But again, I don't think Sony will share their toys. So we got to kind of leave that off the roster a little bit. I think, well, that's what I'm saying. Think, like, now, I think Spider-Woman, I think Jessica Drew Spider-Woman is available for both franch- or both um, studios to use only because she debuted uh, in an Avengers comic. Yeah, but, she was a, but she's she's a spider sword, character. Yeah. Yes, but she's a spider character. So I think they both have rights to her. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Quicksilver Wanda Maximoff thing, right? That Fox absolutely. and Marvel could both use them. Yeah. Sorry, go on. That's okay. I was about to say, you could, in essence, have it run under an organization like Sword, headed up by someone like maybe an Abigail Brand. Abigail Brand. Yeah, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that could work. That could work. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, speaking of, okay, we got we got a few things to talk about here because looking ahead... For Disney Plus, Secret Invasion. Uh, there were a few cast reveals potentially. Like they, now, these are not official, but these are very heavily rumored because we've been we've been questioning who Olivia Coleman and Amelia Clark are going to be playing in this series. Like those are the two. Like we know a lot of the other actors that are going to be in there and who they're playing. These were the two big question marks, and it looks to have been revealed. Oh. Olivia Coleman is rumored to play a gender swapped version of Union Jack, who's a, uh, you know, <clears throat> not necessarily like a Captain Britain type character, but potentially, uh, and basically a longtime associate of Nick Fury in the way they're going to write it into the MCU. And Amelia Clark is rumored to play Gaia slash Gloria Warner. Uh, she was a scroll who helps in the scroll invasion of Earth, but eventually sees that it's a bad thing and then turns against the scrolls and helps thwart the secret invasion. Um, so it looks like Amelia Clark is is definitely up for something big in the MCU, which is really, really cool. Um, I actually thought Olivia Coleman would have made a really decent Abigail brand. Um, but as a, as a gender swap Union Jack, I mean, could be pretty cool. I agree. 
I agree completely. I, I don't really have any uh, opinion on those two, only because they're great characters. I think they're going to add to the story. You needed a Gaia character. I was I was a little intrigued that they were actually pulling from the comics. I thought they were going to go with um, Talos's daughter and just age her up and make her mm-hmm. in that role. But I like I like that Amelia Clark is stepping into this. That was the one that was a big question mark. I know Olivia Coleman's been rumored to be a gender swapped Union Jack for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for that though. That's going to be cool because I think we've been missing. Um, grounded characters lately in this multiverse saga. So this is where we get to be more espionage and a little more uh, behind the scenes. And I still don't know what they're doing for that, that episode. They had to entirely reshoot. <laughs> <coughs> Remains to be seen. Yeah. Remains to be seen. Um, but it's going to be very cool. And obviously Disney plus is still firing on all cylinders and there's still, I, I wouldn't be surprised if now that those rumors are out there and very, very likely to be, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the information that gets revealed to D 23, because that's coming up real soon. And you have to think, um, off the, you know, off the success of what She-Hulk will be, so long as it maintains the kind of tone that it had in this first episode, uh, and with all the excitement being built up around Secret Invasion, you have to think there's going to be a lot of info dropped at D23. I'm I'm super excited for that one. I'm I think I'm more excited that I haven't heard anything beyond Giancarlo Esposito saying he wants to take on Professor X. I haven't heard anything beyond. That rumor that we heard about Scott Summers like a month and a half ago that we talked about on the show. I'm mm-hmm. so glad there was no gravity to that. Because if we if we hear about all these leaks and then they announce them, I'm going to be like, eventually I'm just going to turn off my phone. Because if all these leaks are true, I, I, why? Like, just let's let's build up anticipation. Let Kevin Feige tell us, you know, let, let him be the one. Um, but I, I'm very happy that there's been no X-Men news and that there's been no Fantastic Four news. Like mm-hmm. not even a director. Like I'm, I'm thinking D23, Feige's about to have our attention once again, and once again he's going to drop his pants in front of us and show us what he's working with. Right. Yeah. I mean, let, let's be honest. Feige do you, do you think he calls his deal? Uh, do you think he calls his deal Phase Seven? <laughs> <laughs> All right, go on with your point now. <laughs> Uh, and on that happy note, we're going to step away for a quick second here. Uh, when we come back, we got some Sony Spider-Verse news, uh, some Warner Brothers continuing developments, and we have a new thing of what the heck did they just say? You've heard it all before. Waste of film. Dumpster fire. How did this even get Train made? Rack. Total garbage. Fest. Utterly painful. Worst film ever. But is it really? The show is called It's Not That Bad, and we dare to look at the lowest rated shows and movies and see only the good things. We're looking for A grades and B movies. It's Not That Bad. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Just Another Nerd Show. Still Kevin, that's still Wiss, and uh, we got a doozy for you. We got more Warner Brothers Discovery news for you. That's just the ongoing. It's the story that never stops, doesn't it, Jay? It just keeps giving. 
It is just a veritable shitstorm of news pretty much every week, it feels like. Um, Obviously, you know, the fallout from this merger between Warner Brothers and Discovery is still going on. The latest victim uh, of that is the CW. It has been sold to Nexstar. Now, I mean, Nexstar is not necessarily the biggest media organization in the States. Um, They have, you know, they own networks like Antenna TV um, and like news network or something like that it's, it's not a very big network and clearly the uh it the got bigger though they, cw has got, quite the audience got bigger but here's the problem though they have come out and said that they're going to basically change the audience of the cw and basically change the programming to and i'm literally quoting here uh from what the the, the, the i think it was the head of next star had said they're going to change it to cost-effective unscripted programming and syndicated programs so it's literally going to be another run-of-the-mill network that oh. doesn't really spend any money i thought we were straying from network tv i like I, I really thought that it was down to american idol america's got talent um i don't even know if survivor's still on the air like there was just there were some shows that <clears throat> the voice there were shows that stood the test of time Mm-hmm. And that's it. You start to see other ones dying off because streaming services are, are grabbing these shows and they're able to budget for it. And then they're able to moderate, monetize the, uh, the release schedule and stuff like, yeah, not, not that network TVs can't do that, but the, the era of appointment viewing is kind of dead to be honest, other than like and, appo- the appointment viewing being like today with or Thursday with She-Hulk. Yes, I get that, but you can watch it anytime on Thursday. Like it's not like the old days where you know Friends was on at seven on Thursday and you had to watch it then. But see, but the interesting thing is this, right? Like they sold off the network clearly as a cost-cutting measure, uh, which is a shame because you know even though the CW is not exactly the most watched network and had some of the most talked about shows for a long time uh you know going all the way back to the vampire diaries which I, I had never watched a single episode but it wasn't really my cup of tea um but you know you had the entire DC Berlantiverse, which for the longest time was some of the best stuff that Warner Brothers was putting out as far as live action superheroes go. Arrow, The Flash, Supergirl, Black Lightning, Batwoman. Um, like you had really, really good shows, but you know, maybe maybe the shows went on too long. But I mean, Crisis on Infinite Earths proved what you could do uh, with a series of different shows and the, c- and the continuous crossovers between all the different series. Uh, it, it was cool. It was very cool. And I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that I never actually went and watched an episode of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina or, um, or Riverdale, but there were people who really, really liked those shows. And it's a shame, like all these shows... All these casts, all these directors and writers, for what? So Warner Brothers can save some money. Sorry, Warner Brothers Discovery can save some money. And Nexstar can put on you know, unscripted programming and syndicated shows. The word that's bothering me is cost effective. If cost you're, effective. If yeah. you're trying to break your bottom line or you're trying to break even, where is the best place... Theoretically, because you and I are not in that industry. We're not in those business meetings. We don't we don't have the budget in front of us. Theoretically, though, Wiss, where do you think the money is in that? 
I hate to say it, but if, if you're talking commercial money, right? Probably in syndicated shows because you're not developing anything. You're not producing anything. You're basically picking up the rights to shows that were filmed long, long ago. I mean, but where you can see, you put them? Well, you see all the money that, that, you know, shows like friends can get. Right. But absolutely. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like, the fact that Nexstar also, one of the channels that they own, or one of the networks they own, is Rewind TV, clearly they have a line on a lot of these older shows. And I'm sorry, but like if, if an old show comes on, I have no problem tuning in because I know I'm going to enjoy it, right? If, if they put on shows like Cheers or, um, you know, I mean, Friends is probably a bit too much, but you think about some of the, a show like a news radio, which was a phenomenal sitcom, but... You know, they're not clearly they're not going to put out anything new and groundbreaking. Yeah. You know, you're probably going to get these shows where it's like, you know, you know, truckers of high of I-95 kind of thing. And, and the the just the, the pantheon of shows that you see on Discovery Channel, which I mean, let's be honest, Discovery Channel is still going to be making them. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nexstar gets a decent deal on older Discovery produced reality unscripted shows. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like it, it has to be a happy blend. I feel like the best time for Netflix was when, I mean, I think it is now still. I know that their numbers are not showing great stuff, but I think there's enough still new content on there that I haven't seen mixed with old shows like sitcoms and just other TV yeah. shows. Grey's Anatomy. I'm, I'm watching, um, I'm on season three now of Suits. I started two weeks ago. Everyone was always telling me, oh, you, you got to watch Suits. You got to watch Suits. I've started it now. I'm not going to lie. I'm addicted. I love seeing King Street in the background and them still tell me that it's New York. Yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's the thing that the last two and a half years of the pan, of pandemic era programming has really taught people is that there's something comforting about a show that you, you know, there's, there's no trepidation. Mm-hmm. You know the show. You watched the show already. You know you enjoyed the show, so you get to go back and and relive those stories with those characters, and it's comforting because you, there's no, you know, <laughs> there's nothing unexpected. Well, I read like, I, I read a, a, a social media post somewhere saying that uh, it's sometimes the most anxious people in your life are the ones that constantly tell you they're on their twentieth rerun of a certain show. It's because of that sense of security and that blanket of safety that you feel where you know what's going to happen. You know you can fall asleep to it and you're not worried about missing anything because you know wherever you pick up, you're going to be fine. Yeah. It's, it's that sense of security, right? I mean, that's that's a positive way of looking at bringing on syndicated programming onto, a, onto the CW. It's got to be but, balanced, right? I think that's where you're going yeah, with this. Absolutely. Yeah. But I mean, but cost. Right. I mean, there are there are a plethora of networks out there that all they do is show and I'm going to be blunt here. Old shit. We don't need another one. The CW was at least making new shows. You know, I mean, as much as we said that the Gotham Knights TV series that they were that they were in the process of and that was shelved. um, it it, It did look bad, but at least it was new. And it probably would have found an audience. Yeah, it probably would have crossed over with Riverdale. Riverdale got bad after a while. Yeah, but I mean, like, Riverdale to me as a concept just seemed kind of shake my head. But people ate that crap up. 
You know, like it's. Do you think the CW had, would have been a bit more sustainable if they had stopped making season five through nine of a show and instead focused on seasons one through three and had IP that crossed over? Like, kind of yeah. like what they did with the Defenders universe in the Netflix, with the Marvel yeah. Netflix stuff, where you focus on their shows. You understand, I know that Marvel pulled the deal. That's why they couldn't do more seasons. But you do like two or three seasons of a show. And then you have a nice little crossover event. And that crossover event can also be a show that you can have two and three seasons of. Like, and you can have all their interwoven stories, have a team, like a writing team staff. I think that could be a way to go. Because I know like, I know, I know this is just another nerd show, but I also know that even something as simple as like Chicago Med, Chicago PD, Chicago Fire, that grabbed my mom's attention for a long time. She felt like yeah. she needed to watch all three in order to understand the story because it was an interwoven story. There was no big crossover, but they would have characters because um, they all filmed it, I think, in Vancouver or something, that they were all able to cross over with each other's shows yeah so in order for her to understand their progress she had to keep up with them i think it was tuesday wednesday thursday were the three release nights yeah but you also had that what was it was station 11 and gray's anatomy yes exactly yeah yeah so i mean the possibilities there and you even saw that too like you know going back to the days of the cw right you know with arrow flash supergirl in their infancy exactly right like absolutely like it can work it does work, but you need to create content to make it work. And maybe somewhere down the road, um, the CW, as owned by Nexstar, will find that property. But it, it's not looking good. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a sad day for fans of CW content. And, and it's, it's unfortunate. Well, then let's really put a positive spin on it. Let's put a positive spin. Not on that. That's useless. Um, but there's a po- <laughs> there's positive stuff to come out of Warner Discovery. Okay. Yes. And that's that Ezra Miller has finally broken silence and has publicly said they apologize for their behavior, cites his complex mental health issues, and says he's getting help. So it looks like, remember I went through those three options that DC was thinking of uh, doing? That they yep. chose option one, where he's going to publicly apologize, seek help, um, and it looks like minimal press, and they're still going to go forward with the Flash. That's that's what it looks like they're going to do. Okay, let, let me preface this here. I am relieved to see that Ezra Miller is getting the help that they need. There's that that's rule one, and we said that like episodes ago. Ezra Miller needs to stop what they're doing. And go seek help. And I hope that that help does actually help. But, 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 this, this, this isn't like Ezra Miller just went out on a bender and started slagging Warner Brothers and the producers and all that. You know, this, this isn't simply a PR issue. This is the, the crimes were committed. I, I'm thinking maybe it's a mix of, of choice one and two though. I'm thinking maybe they move on from Ezra after this. They're just trying to salvage this movie. Is it though? Is, is there salvaging in this? Well, keep in mind, he did a lot of bad stuff and they still released, um, or sorry, he allegedly did a lot of bad stuff. Cause I do believe in you get your fair, you get your day in trial and if proven mm-hmm. guilty, right? Like there's, it's all reports right now. I, I, I know there's some people but, that are shaking their head at this right now, but yeah. And then they released but, fantastic beasts, right? Right after all that stuff. That's it, okay. There's a difference in this one, though. 
Okay. In that he's the titular character. Titular. Is the, the right word? They are. They, they they are the titular character of the Flash. Right. The this entire movie is centered around Ezra Miller. And if Warner Brothers, and then this is this is from a strictly, you know, public opinion optics perspective. If I'm just going to start calling them WBD, right? Because let's be honest, <laughs> Warner Brothers Discovery. So, so if WBD um, releases the Flash before Ezra Miller has their day in court. It's or worse. Ezra Miller is having their day in court, and the Flash comes out. Oof! Then it just looks like you're capitalizing on that. That would be like if 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 a movie company released an Amber Heard or Johnny Depp movie into cinemas during the trial. Yes, re-release the Rum Diary. <laughs> <laughs> How about no? Yeah, but no. How about no is right. But I mean. There's no easy out for anyone in this. There really isn't. No. If if WBD, see, I'm owning it right now. Do it. If WBD um, shelves the film. Okay. $300 million budget. Yeah. That's a, that's a big, uh, that's more than Batgirl. That, that is. Yeah. Um, which was 90 million, but that's a, Apparently, there was some weird tax break loophole in that one. Well, obviously, they're insured, right? Well, yeah. I mean, there was apparently $20 million saved in that after spending $90 million. So, whatever, right? But $300 million. And And the thing is, if you shelve it, it sucks because all the people who worked on it um, never get to see their work in the theaters. Yeah, like the, the, the fulfillment of that. It's the right? Keaton curse right now. It is the Keaton curse. But the people who worked on those films have already been paid. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the gaffers, the camera people, the 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 the, the DOPs, the the craft truck people. You know, like like everyone who has worked on this film has been paid. Unless their paycheck was tied directly to the box office, which if you're below the line worker no you got paid already yeah you're not so, wrong so yeah so i mean yes it would suck for the people who didn't get to see the finished product but at least they got paid but now it's in wbd's court you know they want to make that money back sure i get it okay fine but they're going to have to really pick their time and place on this one. I don't think this film should rightfully be released mm-hmm. until a resolution to the crimes that Ezra Miller has been accused of are dealt with. You want to, you want him to see his day in court. You want them to find him innocent or find, sorry, find, <laughs> find them innocent. Yep. But you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. Everything's going to get settled out of court. There is going to be no day in court. The film's going to get released. Ezra Miller's not going to do any press. And, you know, they're going to try and move on like nothing happened. Yeah, probably. That's how it works. That's how it works. 
I'm a, I'm a Debbie Downer today. I'm not going to lie. Okay, well, <laughs> that, let's bring it up then. Let's bring it up. So, Marvel okay, News. Before, before Marvel we do, news. though, before we do, okay. before we do, uh, and I forgot to put this in the show notes, but WBD, there was a rumor that they are Ooh. potentially looking at Greg Berlanti as being the Kevin Feige of the future of the DCEU. Oh, that makes perfect um, sense to me. It, make, it does make perfect sense, but... Here's the question. Uh-oh. You're Greg Berlanti. I'm going to put this to you. You're Greg Berlanti. You see the carnage that has happened uh, in oh, the world. Yeah. <laughs> now, that's a, that's an entirely separate question. Would I even bother? It's tough. Like, it's only because they have so many projects on the go still. Mm-hmm. And there's all these cancellations and um, they're not saying fully that they're being canceled because of budget and because they want to save money, even though maybe borderline that is what's happening. They're saying that they're canceling these because, well, Batgirl, they said it wasn't cinematic enough. Which, I, I'm not 100 percent sold on that. Aren't we aren't we driving a narrative here like Batgirl supposed to be a more grounded character? Yeah, but to the same thing as well, if, you, if you're a filmmaker on this, I'm talking to the people behind the camera, uh, and you hear the studio say, oh, it's not cinematic enough, how much do you want to sit there and just flip your bird at, at, at your parent company? Seriously. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's a whole thing. Um, okay, with Marvel, there's rumors that they might just make their own graphics house in light of all of the... Um, uh, how do we put this mildly? The the She-Hulk trailer that came out that everyone was incredibly underwhelmed by. And the, mm-hmm. the reports that have come out, the numerous reports that they are overworking these outsourced graphics houses that they, that they work with. So they're like, you know what, screw it. We're just going to make our own. And then that report got leaked. So I think now it's just in talks. I don't think there's anything firm. It's a big expense. But I... I'm not a hundred percent sure that this is a bad idea. Okay, I, I'm, I'm going to put, put put this out there. Is it a big expense though? Well, I mean, you got to buy a building. There, there, <laughs> well, there's 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 two sides to this. Sure. Okay. So part part of the benefit of going to these different animation studios and production houses and the like and filming locations is that not only are you uh, you know tapping into the world talent pool by going to different places and spreading out the workload by going to different places you're also taking advantage of the tax credits that some of these countries and provinces and states and the like give into i mean mm-hmm. take a look at almost every single um, Marvel show that I think has been on Disney Plus, and you see the Made in Georgia logo at the end of it. Made right? in Georgia, uh, right? I mean, Captain Marvel took advantage, uh, or not took advantage, of, but they basically utilized uh, a, a production studio in Montreal, so they were got were able to get Province of Quebec tax credits. So, I mean, there's a benefit to that, but but. Star Wars really was the template for this, right? In that George Luke, the 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 technology wasn't there to to properly create his vision of what he wanted the original Star Wars to look like. So he did it himself, and in the in the process, built uh, Industrial Light and Magic uh, and Skywalker Sound, and basically was able to do everything in that point in house. And you know, to be able to for Marvel to come to any state and say 
we're going to build a world-class animation studio uh, and film production studio in your state what kind of tax breaks can you give us because we are bringing jobs and population to this state mm-hmm. that that is a that is a pr boon it's gonna be a bit any, of a bidding war too for any governor yeah especially with a midterm election going on right now in the states yeah for any governor to be able to sit there and say we are bringing marvel studios to our state jobs 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 right <laughs> like the whole you know it's you know to, to, to coin an old you know political phrase it's the economy stupid um okay really, how about this then what if they reallocated a part of disney world <clears throat> that's a that's a interesting and, and question you based though. it you based it in florida so there's three hour difference with the the editors and the directors and where they film most of the stuff in la but mm-hmm. it's a little more enticing for people to want to work for marvel after all this bad pr about their graphics and and the possible abuse and whatnot but they don't get taxed on their um, on their work income, right? Well, let's call this out. You you said Florida. I say hell's no. You say Disney, hell's no. Hell's no on Florida. Okay. Disney and Ron, and Governor Ron DeSantis are right now really at, at, at in a tete a tete. Ron DeSantis is turning Florida into a um, not the best place as far as. Uh, Disney employees go because of the, you know, quote unquote, don't say gay ban. And then Disney finally coming out and saying that this was not good. And then uh, DeSantis basically pulled their, um, their, the, 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 I can't remember what it was called, but the special partnership that allowed Disney to basically um, manage their own lands. Mm. Like when you go to Disney world, they have their own fire department. They have their own ambulance. They have their own police force. Basically, they basically took care of themselves. It's the Latveria of Florida. Yeah, it is very much is it's its own little pocket. Yeah. Complete with castle. Um, But the problem is, is that now because of that, that, that special district status pulled from Disney, um, the area that, that is, that Disney surround or surrounds Disney is now on the hook for, I think it's like a a billion dollars in all the stuff that Disney was taking care of by itself. It, It is, it is a frayed relationship right now between the state of Florida and, and Disney, I think. So I would be surprised if Marvel were to go to Disney. Also, when you consider that the Avengers campus is at Disneyland in California. Hmm. So there's a, so a, you're already on the West coast, you know, you're near Hollywood and LA as it is. Right. Um, isn't Pixar the, the different animation style, but isn't Pixar in Seattle or something? Isn't that where they animate out of? It's quite possible, but Marvel seems to constantly be going to Georgia, Georgia for a lot of their for a lot of their Disney Plus shows. And they filmed so Thor: Love and Thunder in Australia, mm-hmm. and they filmed Multiverse of Madness in UK, I believe. Yeah, but yeah, so, Georgia. I mean, yeah, the, yeah. I mean, if, if that's if they want to keep it in the states, because if, if you think about it too, let's say just by chance, all right playing devil's advocate here on this one if they were to build an animation cg house like basically where all these the post-production of the properties go they can still go film wherever Mm -hmm. right but as you mentioned it's the cg it's the cg artist it's basically a design and render house if you will but if they were to put that in a canadian province 
Ooh. Okay. Let's look at the realisticness of this here. The American, the, the, the value of the Canadian dollar, I think currently sits at about 78 cents to the American dollar. So that means the American dollar goes farther here. Mm-hmm. Right? So you're saving money there. Mm-hmm. There is a wealth of talent here up north. Yeah, yeah. And, and to the same token as well, you have, you know, a less strict policy on bringing um, specialized workers to a company like that. So Disney can sit there and say, all these people that were working in these different houses that, that we were tapping into, they could, you know, snag some of that talent, bring it here, thereby bringing more taxes to whichever province or whichever city that they're going to. Like, there there's there was a reason why Toronto was Hollywood North for the longest time because the value of the Canadian dollar was so low in comparison to the American dollar. It was a way for movie companies Are you are you pitching Toronto right now or are you pitching Canada? Like I, somewhere in Canada. I I I don't know if I'm pitching Toronto per se, but you know, there there's enough I'd pitch British Columbia. British Columbia is is only up there. only because it is where well all the CW shows are filmed out there and they have they have it's kind of yeah were but they they have (laughs) well I mean they're still filming stuff there's still technically a a, a station right now but I mean Mm -hmm. like there's an up-and-coming film presence in Vancouver especially where if you're at a graphics house and you had to fly somebody in just to do a quick shoot there's a lot of equipment there. There's 4K cameras. There's capabilities there to rent gear mm-hmm. if you needed to do something quickly at a graphics house. That's, yeah. that's just my argument, at least. I think Toronto is also good, but it's, oh my God, man, it's so expensive to live here. But there are areas outside the GTA, the greater Toronto area, that could could easily house it. To the same token as well, uh, Montreal is a possibility. Um, yes, like there, there, there are plenty of places up north where Disney money could go further just based on the exchange rate itself. Yeah. Hey, uh, no. I, I got a story for you. Okay. Um, so I did my internship at Rogers Sportsnet in Toronto and mm-hmm. same with a classmate of mine, Ashley Ankowich. And I was in, I was at the, or in the middle of my internship and I ran into Ashley outside of Rogers and I was like, Ash, it's like middle of the day. Aren't you supposed to be working? He goes, actually, I just told him I'm leaving. I just got a job in Montreal. And I said, oh, that's that's cool. What, what are you doing? He goes, well, I'm going up there to work for a graphics house called whatever. I forgot the name of it. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, that's so cool. He goes, yeah. He goes, you like that superhero stuff, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, my first project I'm working on is Captain Marvel. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I, like, I totally, I said, I did that exact laugh. I was like, Ash, that's so cool, man. Have fun. So, yeah, you were talking about Captain Marvel before and how they, they did some graphics in um, in, in, in Montreal. Montreal. Yeah. That was Ashley. Was, he was uh, fronting that project. Oh, I, I, I saw the credit. I'm not going to lie. I you saw did? the credit. Yeah. Of course I said. I was like, Ash, yeah, let's go. <laughs> yes. But, but yeah, like, I, I think it makes sense. I mean, and the, the ILM, Skywalker sound model, I think, is very much in play. I mean, Lucas 
you know, for, for all that you say about, you know, the, the prequel movies and all that, uh, it was a showcase of what ILM could do. Uh, it's also no surprise then that there was also that documentary that came out about Industrial Light and Magic that came out on Disney Plus, uh, I think it was like a week ago or so. So okay. um, maybe that maybe this is, you know, a little tip of the hat. You know, life is like a Marvel a Marvel property where we basically try to figure out the future by by little one-offs here and there. Um, and I'm kind of here for it. Well, speaking of a- Marvel and future, and I don't know if this is a one-off, it might be a spin-off or it might create some spin-offs, but, uh, like, like spin, like a web, spin, like a web spun, like a spindle, <laughs> like a churning mm-hmm. of a, I am running out of English. Madam <laughs> web is actually looking like a pretty darn good. Like I know we said before it is set up to fail, but now the possible story has not leaked, but there might be an idea now of where this story could be heading just based on the casting announcements or confirmations, whatever you want to call them, is that we have two Madam Webs, we have a niece of J. Jonah Jameson, and this is the one that intrigued me the most, that potentially Emma Roberts is playing Mary Parker, and the set photos have suggested that possibly she's pregnant with a infant Peter Parker, which makes this an infinitesimally, I don't even know if that's a word, but I hope it is. Uh, It is, but poorly pronounced. Thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you. Grammar Nazi. How do you spell condescending? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But this this makes the story story so much cooler now because they have to protect Mm. a Peter Parker so that that universe can thrive. I think mm. that's so cool. So we're not just doing the same shit we've always done with the spider bite, Uncle Ben, all this crap. Because that's the other thing as well. Isn't Adam Scott supposed to be playing, I think, Ben Parker? He's supposed to be the father to Emma Roberts' mom figure? Like, they're yeah. supposed to be kind of the protective figures of this infant that's supposed to grow up to be Spider-Man. Spoiler alert. Although... Screw you. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so you said, does this suggest a Terminator-style storyline where maybe somebody's trying to go back in time to kill Spider-Man before he's even before born? Before he's born. Yeah. And that intrigues me beyond reason. It's I, I am in love with this story. Once again, though, I say it is doomed to fail because Sony has one of the worst track records for handling properties like this. They have an all-star cast. They have a great foundation, and the story has a lot of potential. It's set up to be great. Lower your expectations, though, and you will be happy with the result. I hope. Here's the thing. I think just based on this movie on paper right now i think this film is going to be well directed i think it's be well acted uh, because of course you have the director uh from some of the jessica jones episodes at the helm but you also have the writers of morbius now here's the thing right like we know morbius was changed around quite a bit uh over the pandemic and in relation to where it fits into the mcu uh and even once it was in theaters it started to get changed like it's 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 interesting to see what's going to happen with this. And I like that they're bringing in some different characters like Julia Carpenter, right? My only knowledge of Julia Carpenter's, um, spider woman slash, um, Madam Webb is 
from the Iron Man cartoon that was on Fox, but it's also now on Disney Plus um, with the long flowing red hair and the the, 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 the full black Spider-Woman suit there. Uh, and of course, uh, Madam Web, the Cassandra Web version, was of course in the Fox Spider-Man animated series with their version of uh, Secret Wars and then that transitioned into Spider-Wars. Um, but to have... Maddie Franklin in this, the the niece of J. Jonah Jameson, who in herself becomes a version of Spider Woman, uh, and was also part of the initiative in you know which was post Civil War in the comic books. Irony, um, <laughs> irony, right? Like it's it's they have assembled a very very cool cast, and you know it's it's a different angle to this. I love it. Right. I love it. Matt, Madam, Madam Webb as, as, as a character is, is, you know, multidimensional and clearly, you know, time and space are, are just mere constructs to her. Yeah. So Madam Webb strikes to- me as somebody who may deliver a Dr. Strange esque line that in the grand mm. scheme of the multiverse, their sacrifice means <laughs> infinite, infinitely little compared to their or whatever it is, or infinitely more than their than their lives. Like I feel like she's going to deliver a line just like that. Uh, yeah, but if she I says mean, it's I mean, Morbin time, I'm going to just leave. It's either going to have a Terminator esque storyline, or it's going to be a, a, a what if kind of case where oh, you know what that. if Peter Parker isn't born? What if someone else is is bitten? And I mean the fact that they're doing this whole thing with the with the two parter sequels to um, Into the Spider Verse, um, there's there's a lot of potential for what it could build into, um, and maybe this is the live action portal. I mean if the second sequel so the third spider-verse film ends in a post-credit scene in live action that will probably be uh, a hint that'll be your madam web crossover exactly that, that dakota johnson probably took off the blindfold to uh, pluck a certain miles morales from some universe Right. I'm waiting for that casting right. announcement. You just know it as well. With a movie like Madam Web, you knew the first black actor that's possibly under 20. You knew that if he got cast into this movie, everybody was going to scream Miles Morales. Yeah, don't even hold that one in. We know what's we know what's going on. We know what's happening. Like, um, I have a feeling they've already but, casted him, and they're not telling anyone. Yeah, and I and they're getting networks or sorry, movie production companies are getting very very good at not. You know, uh, holding in some surprises. Yeah. You know, some some are horrible at it. Sony's actually been one of those ones that's horrible at it. But maybe they've learned something. Who knows? Be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, we got a new segment this week uh, because a lot of people have been flapping their lips this week <laughs> on open mics. Uh, so here's a new a new segment called They Said What? So let's start with, uh, we talked about Mark Ruffalo a lot during the, uh, the first segment here. Um, on the red carpet, he was asked about if he would be in World War Hulk. His response, of course, was if Marvel ever wants to do World War Hulk, I'm in. There's a possibility of that, though. Did you see? I thought because I didn't know that's where you're going to go with this, by the way. Did you see his red carpet interview? He, I think it was a variety or something. And he, he quoted himself from Infinity War. <laughs> they asked him, they said, what happens to this? He goes, oh, just wait till you see this next one. Everybody dies. <laughs> like, thank you, Mark. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that's just evil and fun. Um, but there's a rumor that came out that said that Marvel will reclaim the rights to be able to do a solo Hulk film 
in the summer of 2023. Knowing this, is She-Hulk now, do you think, the potential for a setup for a World War Hulk? Knowing that there's no way that Universal is going to be able to pump out a Hulk film between now and then. I don't think so, man. I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think so. I No? No, I just don't see it. I don't see it as a possibility. I could You know what I can see? I can see Hulk appearing in the next Spider-Man movie. They have some buddy relationships sometimes. Um and and they have that um I I felt bad for for Bruce Banner a little bit in that first episode of She-Hulk cuz I felt like at moments he wanted to get sad, but he got over it pretty quickly. That's the other thing as well. Sad or mad, one of the two. Yeah, if I can go over, if I can go off on a little 10 second tangent here, it's going to be a little more than that. But I feel like in Hollywood, we need to regulate men being sad. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like we, we are still portraying that men need to, you know, bottle up their emotions and they need to be tough all the time and they need to, you know, be the big masculine thing that Andrew Tate wants us all to be. Like, no, I. I, I I think if somebody can be sad, I think they they should be shown as sad. I think there should be a vulnerable side to things for sure. And I think they were trying to get at that with uh, Bruce Banner a little bit as they were trying to show him that he's missing his friend and that this place reminds him of Tony Stark. Everything reminds him of Tony Stark. And who has that in common with him? Spider-Man. I think that would make for Mm. a great movie. Yeah, they'd soak a little bit about Tony, but it's also been long enough that they can reminisce. They can have a laugh. And then they have that in common that maybe, you know, that uh, Peter has a new science bro, right? That maybe they can be the new, I don't know. I, I'm just spitballing here. I, th- I think if they do decide to go down that road, I think Mark Ruffalo is the perfect actor to do it. Yeah. First of all, Ruffalo is an extraordinarily talented actor. When he gets into a dramatic role, it is, it is you know, he'll, he'll, he'll gut punch you right in the feels. Um but here's the thing. But maybe that's a part of the storyline. Maybe I'm overthinking it right now. But I, I, I got well, that, that. Well, well, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe he's right? bottling like, up his emotions <clears throat> to let it out later. And, and, I mean, She-Hulk already said he's not a superhero. He's a cautionary tale, right? Ooh. So it makes sense that if he continues to bottle up all these emotions, the loss of Tony, the loss of Nat, um, really not having Captain America around anymore because now he's an old man. You know, uh, the isolation, the forced isolation, uh, the loss of Betty Ross, the, um, you know, the not the eventual knowledge that Jen Walters is probably going to have to find herself defending Emil Blonsky, the guy who was basically his mortal enemy at this point. Um, like there's so much bottled up and not to mention the fact that Jen doesn't even want to go down the same road. I think Jen was almost like a, a perceived, um, connection for bruce in that all of a sudden now he's no longer alone Mm. hey i have a hulk i have someone who understands me and will be here with me instead he's now once again trapped in hulk body no longer you know just being human again yeah for sure and and if he finds out you know from the sakarian spaceship messengers there that all of a sudden he realizes he has a son. The son comes down. The son is savage. Like Scar is clearly, you know, from Sakar, not not necessarily, you know, in tune with oneself. It's a different color ship too. So I'm starting to think it's not the Grandmaster. 
No. I, yeah. So I think it's just a messenger ship. Yeah. Right? And he even said it's just a messenger ship, right? Yeah. Um, and if Jen has to put Scar away because he's too dangerous, because he's too savage. Yeah. <laughs> right? There, there's a lot of bottled up emotions. And if, if that busts out in a Hulk-like rage, you could have a World War Hulk Oof. sometime Oof. in maybe phase six. Or maybe seven. One of those maybe it's slots. in phase seven. Maybe it's uh, quite possible. Because that World War Hulk is a borderline crossover movie, right? You do need a few other pieces of IP in there. Mm-hmm. So it could end up being the thing that ends phase seven, right? Because they've already established, Feige's established that they're ending sagas with Avengers movies, but they're ending phases with a smaller crossover movie. So they have, you know, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. You got the Atlanteans, Atlanteans. Then you got the Wakandans and possibly a Latvarian. It's unconfirmed, Mm -hmm. but it would be exciting. And then you got Thunderbolts, which obviously is a big team up crossover. And then you're going to have Avengers. Phase seven, you could have a World War Hulk movie that ends on that. I just don't know how, yeah. how would you set that up? It would have to be just a standalone movie. You wouldn't be able to have like a post credit scene where he loses his ish. No, I, I, I think he, I think the rage monster comes back by the end of the series, but that's just me. Um, okay. Continuing on with, uh, with, uh, they said, what? Um, Aubrey Plaza has said that she would like to play Lara Croft. Uh, when I told you about this one, you were like, yeah, I can kind of see it. No, I, I said, like, looks-wise, absolutely. Action-wise, mm-hmm. sure. She's just, like, I don't know. I don't want to use the word dull, but her humor is very dry and sarcastic, and I feel like we need maybe a more serious actress. Like, she... she now, I don't want to typecast her because she's only ever taken on comedic roles, really. Um, Primarily, Yeah, yes. I'd like to see her take it on, but I'd also like to see her work in something else first just to see that she can do it. Like, I need I need a show-me role. Mm. I need I need something before Lara <laughs> Croft. I mean, I, th- I think it depends, right? I mean, if, if, you, if someone went up to you and said, okay, Melissa Benoist, you know, you know that girl from Glee? You, Supergirl. You know that girl from Glee. I actually loved that casting. When it when I first right. heard it, I was like, "Oh yeah, this is gonna be good," and then it got bad. I mean, she was she was a not her as Supergirl was bad. No, no, no. But the she was great. The writers mm-hmm. got they got a little too preachy for me near the near mm. near the end of the run. They got a little and too. Preachy. And you've said that on here before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's not not a knock on the show as an entirety. I think a lot of the CW shows had the same trope that they fell into is that they had a strong three four season plan and then when they kept getting renewed they went back to the writer's table and the writers just up open arms they're just like i i got nothing like <laughs> let's uh bring back an old villain i don't know um right yeah that's what it felt like at least near the end but yeah we had uh, we had lara croft as a former fan cast friday um but this next they said what um might be teasing our next fancast Friday. It's the crossover special as we get ready for this week. It's Fancast Friday. It's time for Fancast Friday. That's right, Fancast Friday. Okay, so in an interview, Allison Bree 
she of glow fame uh came out and said that she would love to play a marvel villain uh in the mcu and i'm i'm kind of here for it because i mean i thought glow was a great show um but there's you know to come out and say i want to be the villain that means she wants to have a lot of fun with this one um because let's be honest Marvel villains can be a ton of fun. Um, but I'm going to hand it to you. Who do you think Alison Brie should play in the MCU? Um, I don't have a whole long argument, so I'll keep it short and sweet. I think she'll be the villain of the next Captain Marvel film. She'll be Moonstone. Okay. That's it. it. She looks just like her in the comics. I think we're overdue for a Moonstone. Uh, Moonstone can also appear, if, if they want to, she can appear in um, Thunderbolts. As somebody mm, we haven't seen yet, right? And you could have Alison Brie play Moonstone in that and then have Moonstone carry on or be like a Suicide Squad character where she goes back to jail in the end, right? So who knows? See, I went a different route. Um, obviously, we know that there's going to be a Mutants X-Men type film or at least project that comes from uh, from Marvel soon, we don't know how soon. We also know that they can't recast any of the X-Men until 2025. Um, but if they decide to completely start fresh with the X-Men, I think she would be a phenomenal Madeline Pryor. Ooh. Now, in the comic books, Madeline Pryor, of course, is Scott Summers' first wife. Uh, and then there's a lot of trauma there. There's a lot of loss. And then she finds out she's a clone of Jean Grey. And basically she ends up, you know, going to the other side and being a villain um i think that could easily be rewritten she doesn't need to be a clone of gene gray but she could also be replaced by gene gray in scott summers's life um so a little bit of um angst if you will a little bit of revenge um i think madeline Pryor would be very very cool for her uh and i think she'd be able to pull that off really well too like she again she did so well in glow um i see her more in the in that madeline Pryor role though uh very very cool uh, and i think allison brie would be a wonderful addition to the uh mcu i just i have a kick though because if, if she is moonstone and we joked about this before we started recording it's Allison Brie Larson. Allison Brie Larson. That's right. <laughs> and, and you can like double up the font on Brie. So it's like, you know, yeah, totally work. Yeah. I don't think it. Brie Larson would ever let her name be second though. So you couldn't do that punny thing on the movie poster. And just I, I in the think middle. they, I think they would do it just as a lark. Just for fun. And like not, not on the official, um, or you just angle it in a way so Brie Larson's name is on top, but on the right. <laughs> I could also see her as a version of Squirrel Girl, but she she specified she wanted to play a Marvel villain. Right. So I don't know. And Squirrel Girl is no villain. Um, okay, to our listeners, thank you. Now, we're going to be recording our shows on Thursdays for the next, I guess, two months, if you will, because, of course, uh, She-Hulk is premiering on thursdays uh and or is also going to be coming soon they're going to be premiering on wednesday so in a couple of weeks we're going to be a double dipping um i know i'm going to be watching house of the dragon as well by the way if you're following us on twitter at another nerd show we've got a poll going right now on our uh, on our twitter account it's pinned right to the top of our profile here um i we put out the question which show are you more excited for in the coming months between She-Hulk and or and House of the Dragon? And right now, with a sizable lead, 
is House of the Dragon. Are, are you surprised about that, Hilsey? Uh, that's what I voted for. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited for House of the Dragon, man. It's so excited. It looks so good. It it does. And you know, we should definitely be covering that that show as well. So we're gonna have a lot of previews to talk about in the in the coming episodes here. Lots of content. Um, as long but, as we're not yes. bashing DC every week, give us more content so we don't have to. Well, unless Warner Brothers keeps on blowing up their their universe, then we have we still have lots of content to talk about. Uh, but yes, hit us up on Twitter at another nerd show and you know, have your say in the poll because it's really fascinating to see uh the, the viewing. I'm surprised Andor is so low. Oh, but then again, I'm also a Star Wars geek, but that's just me. Uh, next week, we'll be talking She-Hulk episode two, as well as any other news that comes down the pipe. By the way, uh, make sure that you also have your say as to who you think Alison Brie should play in the MCU as a villain. We want to know what you think or who you agree with, whether it be me or me or me uh, and not Kev. Um, <laughs> until next week, I'm Jay. He's Kev, right? Uh, this is Just Another Nerd Show, uh, available wherever you get your podcasts. Until next week, guys, take care.